Merry Christmas. We continue to celebrate the Christmas season through next Sunday. Today, with Christians all around the world, we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany. Epiphany is from a Greek word that means manifestation. So since at least the fourth century in the Western Church, the focus liturgically on this feast is Jesus's manifestation to the non-Jewish world, the Gentile world, which we see in the image of the Magi. Magi is an account connected with Jesus's birth just in the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter. It's just 12 verses. It is hard to think of any biblical text, I guess I can think of a couple, but it's pretty hard to top this one for just 12 verses that have prompted for centuries people's speculating about these magi. So when you go home, please reread these first 12 verses of Matthew 2. There are only some basic facts in there from the earliest that we know of Christianity people have taken those little verses and have asked themselves, well, who are these people, the Magi? How are they actually living? And people have expanded on this in really beautiful ways. So one of the earliest presentations in Western art, which is from the mid-third century, is a portrayal of the Magi in a place called the Capella Greca in a catacomb in Rome, the Priscilla Catacomb. I put that up on social media. You can go take a look at it. So from the earliest Christian art that we have, the Magi are at the heart of it. Beginning certainly by the third century, people started adding. So when you reread this passage, there's nothing whatsoever about how many Magi there are, but we traditionally have three. It's probably connected to the number of gifts. There's nothing whatsoever about the Magi that has anything to do with kings. And yet clearly Christians from the early centuries thought about passages from the Old Testament, we just heard two of them, from Isaiah 60 and Psalm 72, where there are references to kings coming to salvation. So the kings came into it. By the sixth century, names were assigned to these people. Do you remember the names in our part of the world? Caspar, Balthazar and Melchior. And the meaning of those names is, I have no idea, but they're kind of cool names, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. And Caspar in the West has been traditionally portrayed as a person of color, representing all the of the earth coming to Jesus. So the point of this is, generation after generation, people have just entered into this passage, ask themselves, who are these people and what do they do? and have found growth in Jesus themselves. If you and I have been praying and trying to work spiritually to cooperate with the grace of the Christmas season, to have Jesus somehow reborn in us, you can't top the Magi for working on this this week. Jesus is born into the lives of the Magi. If I can relate to these Magi in the way I'm trying to live my life, maybe I can feel more confident that Jesus may be reborn in me. So I'll give you a couple of ideas to get you going. How many ideas do you think I'm gonna give you? Wrong, two, just two. I have a person who listens to these homilies on podcast who not too long ago contacted me and said, you only had two ideas this week. Where's the third idea? as if God airdrops me three great ideas each week and I just come and speak them and I decided to leave one by the side. I'm gonna give you two big magi ideas. Big idea number one, 
The Magi are people who are looking for Jesus. This is a big deal. Magi means wise people. These people somehow are learned, they're intelligent, they know things about the world. They're probably something like astronomers because they're looking at the sky for movements of stars or other celestial objects that are associated with the birth of great people. So the Magi clearly have a lot of earthly material scientific knowledge. Much more importantly, they are people who are hungry for truth beyond what they know. They are people who are looking for a greater light in the darkness of the world. They are looking for someone who is greater than just their status quo. For them to get up and to look for Jesus turns out to involve a lot of action. Think about this. They have to make the choice. I mean, you see the star moving and you've got the knowledge someone great may be born, but that doesn't mean you're going to get up and do anything about it. They get up because they are seeking life beyond their narrow to date experience of life. They make the choice to put in a lot of work. It's got to be a lot of effort to go try to find who turns out to be Jesus. They clearly have to collaborate to go try to find Jesus. They ask other people for guidance to get to Jesus. They discern, it turns out through the grace of God, what guidance is good and what guidance is incredibly evil, the guidance of Herod. They are people who, when they get to Jesus, are so open to him, to the truth beyond themselves, that they humble themselves, which is true. They can't understand who he is. When they prostrate themselves, it shows how open they are looking for him. When they give these very valuable gifts, clearly they're sincerely looking for Jesus because when you encounter true love, you give. You don't just think, you give what you have. In looking for Jesus, they are open to their lives changing, being redirected, and then being redirected again. Because they are looking for Jesus, they are alive in what is transcendent, what's beyond just the current material, physical world that I know. Why does this matter? Because everything that matters has to do with what's beyond us. And Jesus is the source of everything that's good that's beyond us. What we're meant to do with our lives, what the truth is, how we're supposed to live to be powerful, pure, strong people, who my spouse is meant to be, what I'm meant to do to change this world for God, that is all way beyond me and it comes from Jesus. If I am a person who is looking for Jesus day by day, if that's fundamentally who I am, I'm on the path of salvation. In every time and place, it's very tempting, this is the case for the Magi, to not get up and look for Jesus. If that's who you and I fundamentally are, blessed are we. And I just encourage you to look at that this week and look at the power here. If the reason we come together with all of our differences and all of our limitations week by week to this liturgy is because fundamentally we're looking for Jesus. I'm getting up, I'm coming here to listen to God's word, 
to pray together in the tradition of the church, and most importantly, to receive Jesus in this Eucharist, this makes me an entirely different person than I otherwise would be. It is very tempting to just stick with what I know to date, with my status quo, and in the age in which I live, in which we live, to be just focused on the material through technology. Technology is wonderful. Technology is also a source of 24-7 stimulation in the palm of my hand. It is only tempting in the age in which we live to go down technological holes that only lead us to material and stimulation, not to what is beyond us, not to the truth. Are you following me on this? If you are a person who, for real, is looking for Jesus day by day, you're on the path of salvation, to repeat. And this can be very useful. When you go home, you too, and David is down in the basement for more than an hour on that device, it is very appropriate for you to ask him, are you looking for Jesus, David, or what are you doing? When you are together as a family at the end of the craziest day, it is a beautiful thing to say, fundamentally, are we looking for Jesus? If we are, we make it through this day. When you woke up this morning, to repeat, if you're fundamentally looking for Jesus, if that's why you're here, blessed are you. Everything we can do to help one another on this is opening to the grace of his rebirth. Magi idea number two, you ready? Magi idea number two. When the Magi set out, the question from the beginning to the end of the journey is where is Jesus? When they get to Jerusalem, they ask, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Herod then asks the religious leaders, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? There is an answer to that question. Where, in fact, is the newborn king of the Jews? Masks make this hard to just scream. Bethlehem. All right, so, excuse me. The reply that is given by the religious leaders is a quotation from Micah, chapter 5, and 2 Samuel, chapter 5. These two Old Testament references are put together and they're modified by Matthew. So when they, stay with me on this, in the Old Testament in Micah, the quotation is that you, Bethlehem, are too small to be counted among the clans of Judah. Matthew changes that clearly, consciously, and what he says, the reply comes from the religious leaders, is Bethlehem, you are by no means too small for the ruler of Judah. Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, and Bethlehem relatively today, is a small place about five miles away south from Jerusalem. Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and today, a magnificent city with palaces, with the temple, with all kinds of great earthly constructs and people. When the savior of the world is born in God's plan, it is not in Jerusalem, it is not in a palace, it is in Bethlehem. Every detail about the birth of Jesus from the moment of the angel visiting Mary is about lowliness. The savior of the world is born into the world in places and people 
that are considered lowly by earthly standards. Matthew's really clear about that when he modifies that passage. He's expressing the paradoxical way that God works. God primarily does great things through people and places that by earthly standards are considered lowly. And God ultimately casts down the mighty by earthly standards from their thrones through the course of salvation and eternally. The greatness of God primarily flows through people who are considered lowly and places that are considered unimportant. And people in places that are considered dazzlingly important by material standards turn out to disappear. If you are seeking the rebirth of Jesus in you and in this world in 2022, through the grace of this season, ask yourself and ask God every day, where is the newborn King of the Jews? Where is Jesus? If your day is primarily focused on people and places that are wealthy, considered important, are very popular, are really flashy, Jesus is present there, but I would not focus on it. If you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and look at the world in which you choose to live, and you mostly see people who are not considered so important, are not considered so flashy, by earthly standards don't have this tremendous material value. And if that's where you're choosing to live, if that's where you're looking for Jesus, I think you're on the right track. I think it's dependable. If you are looking for the newborn king of the Jews and to have him reborn in you this year, he's in Bethlehem. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.